Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right. Thank you. And I forgot to tell you guys where I'm from. I hail from Arlington, Texas, which is between Dallas and Fort Worth. But my home group is in Dallas. So with that, hello, my name is Tensha. I am a grateful recovering sessaholic. I am a grateful member of SA and I have been since June 28th of 2005. And I'm sober one day at a time by the grace of God since March the 7th, 2015. Um, for me to keep my, my thoughts straight and without rambling, I have to write this down. So um, if it sounds like I'm reading, it is because I am. <laughs> so, all right. Lack of power. That was my dilemma. I had to find a power which I could live, and it had to be a power greater than myself. This is what the AA Big Book tells me on page 45 in the chapter of We Agnostics. It goes on to tell me that the main objective of the AA Big Book is to enable me to find a power greater than myself, which will solve my problem. And it does mean, of course, that we're going to talk about God. I'd gone to church for 14 years by the time I came into this program. I had had religion, but it hadn't healed me. Definitely hadn't healed me from my sexaholism. So what in the world did I need with God? Throughout the essay white book, I'm told that my problem is a misconnection. And the solution when it mentions that we're, we're making the real connection, that word is capitalized which indicates to me it's a proper noun, which for me refers to God. In the Overcoming Lust and Temptation chapter on pages 165-166, numbers 15-17, through 17, they tell me to recognize and feed my hunger for God, cast it out, and take refuge in God. Our literature told me that I could not just surrender lust. I had to surrender me. And the sooner I did this, the sooner I would transition from self to life. I desperately wanted to make that transition because you see, when I came into this program, I was the 35 widowed single mom of four. I was exceptionally angry. I was bitter and I was resentful at life. I wanted absolutely nothing to do with God. And I definitely did not want to rely on him. Why should I? After all, he's the one that allowed me to be born into a sexaholic addicted home, cursed me with the same addiction. And then at the age of 35, took my, the love of my life from me. But I had to do something 
because this addiction had destroyed two marriages and had now, by this point, infiltrated my 13-year-old daughter. All of these occurrences were all the result of my self-will. It was as the AA Big Book says on page 60, I had to be convinced that any life run on self-will could hardly be a success because it hadn't been up to that point. Further, the thing that I had turned to comfort as a child had now become the problem. My cure had become the sickness. What I had used as my medicine became my poison. My answer became my detriment. Okay, so I had to change. But how? Self-will had not worked for me. And my sexaholism was killing me. But what was I to do exactly? Well, to begin, I had to let go of my old ideas about God and let go absolutely. And be willing to go to any length to recover, at least that's what the literature told me. Even if it meant turning my will and my life over to God. But here again, the literature reminded me that at first, I only needed to be willing. The big book says on page 46, let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. Even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. I didn't know what or whose concept of God to try, but much to my relief, I didn't have to consider another's concept of God. My own conception was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him, or at least that's what the big book told me on page 46. I still wasn't sure about this. And so, with the literature compelling me that all I needed was to be willing, I had to ask myself one question. Am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? Once I answered the question, I had to do what the big book told me on page 62. I had to quit playing God. Because up till now, it didn't work. Then, I had to decide that God would be my director. He would be my father, and I his child. But you see, I had trouble with that. Because at first it was challenging. Because growing up, I had an emotionally distant, verbally abusive, and physically absent father. And I viewed God the same way. But, as the text continues... Making God my director was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which I would pass to freedom. I wanted to be free. I had to be willing to believe that he would provide what I needed in order to change my view of him. Okay, so I made a decision to be willing, but what did that mean? And what was I supposed to do? Well, at first I made the group my higher power, but as But my white book told me on page 80 that the sooner my surrender was to God, however I understood or did not understand him, 
because at that point I had no understanding at all, the sooner I would make the transition from self to life. And life was what I wanted. At every meeting, I heard the same serenity prayer over and over and over. At first, I thought it was something just wrote to recite at a meeting. But then I thought, well, maybe I could use it to start making that transition from self to life. Hmm. So when I became triggered or encountered something a bit challenging, at first I just used the first three, the first three lines because that's all I knew. But one day during my first year in the program, I happened upon a plaque with the entire serenity prayer when i was in my favorite bookstore i read it and was immediately taken to it it soon went from being wrote something just said in a meeting to be in a way of life something that i embodied the whole prayer reads as follows god Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking this world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Well, being that I had experienced some very small victories using only the first three lines, I wondered what effects using the entire prayer would have. So I bought the plaque, and from that day forward, I prayed everything I encountered through this prayer. It didn't matter how big or how small it was. And the way I did this was as follows. God, hmm, higher power of my limited conception and limited understanding. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Hmm. Help me realize that I cannot change my past, my circumstances, or others. Please give me peace to remember this. Help me accept that people, the places, the things, and situations in my life as they are today. Help me during this current situation to remember I can't change what is happening. Courage to change the things I can. Okay, God, help me realize that the only thing I can change is me and my attitudes, my thoughts, my choices, and my behavior. Help me during this current situation to remember I can only change my view of it. And the choices I make. I came to realize this part. As I was reading our literature. Because it just kept telling me over and over. In the white book. On pages 24 and 46 and 50 and 57. And on and on and on. And then again when I hit the big book on page 417. So there had to be something to it. And the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, God, help me learn and remember what I can change and what I cannot change. I had to let him demonstrate through me what he could do by removing my fear of the calamity 
and growing my faith and courage to trust him if I chose to change my attitude and my viewpoint. All right, living one day at a time. God, help me remember I only have today. I am not guaranteed tomorrow. This was a very hard lesson for me to learn because losing my husband to suicide in a single night while I was out acting out with my newest partner was what had taught me this. Enjoying one moment at a time. God, help me to live for right now. Help me to be grateful for what I have and what is happening right now. Good or bad, as it will help to change my attitude, stretch me, and help me grow. Realizing that two of my children were in the home when my husband committed suicide and that he could have chosen to take them with him was what made this possible. I truly became grateful for my kids in each moment of each day. Accepting hardship as the pathway to peace. God, help me accept what I am currently going through and help me to see that it is momentary and but a small part of a bigger picture. And once the difficulty is over, I will have peace. Please give me your strength through this hardship. God did not change because of my hardship. Rather, my hardship changed because of my view of God changed. And no matter how dark it seemed, he always strengthened me through it. Taking this world as it is, not as I would have it. God, help me accept the world and situation as it is. Remember not to complain because nothing happens in your world by mistake. And you know better than I do. I couldn't live in an everything would be better if mindset anymore and have things the way I wanted. I had to learn to trust that God was everything and believe that he would take care of the calamity when his will directed, not mine. I had to become humble because living in pride tells God he does not know what he's doing and must do it my way. Well, we know that never worked. Trusting that he will make all things right. God, help me turn this situation over to you, not to take it back, not live in the fear of it, and see that you are already taking care of it. Give me the strength I need at this moment to journey through this circumstance. I had to place the outcome in his hands and remember that he had already done as it had helped what he had already done as it helped me to trust and have hope that he would do it again. Ultimately, I had to leave the results up to him and believe he would give me strength through it. If I surrender to his will. Okay, God, please show me your will for me for this moment right now and today. Help me to be what you would have me be. So I'm not afraid during this situation. I had to turn my will over to his care and realize that I was his child. And every moment of my life is touched by him. And then I had to accept whatever the outcome was as God's will for me and live the role he had for me. 
so that I may be reasonably happy in this life. If I turn this situation over to you, I choose to believe you will take care of it, which will allow me to have peace, serenity, and in the end, be happy. But ultimately, I had to remember that God's more more interested in my character than my comfort. At first, I had to take the action before the belief followed. But when I turned my life over to him during my trials and circumstances, it allowed me to live sober-minded. When I did as I thought my higher power would have me do, I experienced serenity during the calamity as page 68 of the big book told me I would. And supremely happy with him forever in the next. I learned that the level of my serenity during any situation, calamity, or circumstance was directly connected to my level of acceptance of that situation, calamity, or circumstance as being exactly what it was supposed to be at that very moment. Well, as I used the full serenity prayer to pray through the difficulties, I began to experience what the big book says on page 63. I began to feel a new power flow in. I enjoyed peace of mind. I discovered I could face life successfully, and I became conscious of his presence. I also began to lose fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. I was being reborn. Imagine that. And so, as circumstances that initially seemed too much to bear came up, I continued taking them to my higher power by praying it through the serenity prayer. Slowly, life started to get better. I did not have to become a blubbering, crying mess when challenges came along. I quit the debating society. And I quit involving myself in other people's drama and therefore quit inviting it into my own life. Life's so much happier that way. In time, I've come to truly believe in a power greater than myself, whom I choose to call God today. How could I not? With over and over my higher power would bring me through each difficulty or circumstance that otherwise would have threatened to send me back out seeking my drug. And as I grew in my belief in God and turned things over to him, I experienced a revolutionary change in my way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of my human resources, I have found a new power, a new peace, new happiness, and a sense of direction flowing into me. A big book, page 50. Ultimately, I learned that if I wanted to stop lusting, I had to place my dependence on and trust in God, and that my continued recovery is dependent upon my ever-growing relationship with him. I must live surrendered to and dependent on God daily. 
I have practiced using the serenity prayer and often, so, so often, sorry, I can't see for the tears, so often that it has become habitual and the surrender of my attitude to God became the key to having a spiritual program, living free of drama, or at least most days, and learning to live life on life's terms. Is my life perfect? Do I do this absolutely every single day? Am I perfect at it? No. But it's a far better than it used to be. And with that, I will close with this from the big book, pages 46 and 100. Let me make haste to reassure you. I found that as soon as I was able to lay aside my prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than myself, I commenced to get results. Even though in the beginning it was impossible for me to fully define or comprehend that power, which today for me is God. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When I look back, I realize that the things which came to me when I put myself in God's hands were far better than anything I could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. With that, I will take another 24. I'm Tensha. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Thank you for letting me be of service by sharing my journey with you. Hi, my name is Yaakov and I'm a sexaholic. Um, I'm sorry I'm lying down now, but I had a surgery yesterday and that's why I'm a bit in pain. And I noticed because of surgery that was in the area of my stomach, that it, it's painful to have trousers. Reminds me of uh, those days. And um, and I thought to myself, how can I stay clean? I can barely put my trousers on, if anything. And I just need to lay down all day. And how can I do such a thing? And I thought, like, maybe I can keep going to groups, whatever. But how how much can I do? And I totally didn't think about God. And then I went in. And suddenly I understood how stupid I was. And... I, I cried so much with you. It was beautiful. It was, Yaakov, shut up a little bit. Listen, there's a guy that once you'll shut up, he'll do what he wants to do. And then when you stop doing what you want to do, stuff will be so much better. I appreciate that so much. Thank you for reminding me of everything. Thank you, Yaakov. Thank you, Yaakov. Uh, Hamid, you're up next. Hi, my name is Hamid. I'm a recovering sexolic from Iran. Thank you, Tenshot. That was a wonderful share. I really liked it, and I needed to hear that, actually. Uh, I have a question. Um, yeah, um, when things are going well in my life, it seems that everything is easy, and I can really easy surrender things to my higher power or rely on him. But sometimes... Things are not getting well and are too scary for me. 
And in those times, I can't really do that. And I, I can't just not think of them, not control of things in my life or not just uh, be afraid of them. So in those times, how can I uh, let rely on my higher power? And if I do that, how can I sh- be sure that good things will happen in my life and things will get well? Thank you. Thanks, Aman. Um, as a single mom of four kids, my kids were 13, 7, 5, and 3 when I became a widow um, and started down this journey. I had to just basically take the action and let the feelings follow. And it wasn't always easy. I didn't do it perfectly. I didn't do it every single time. Um because my oldest son is very special needs and um, he's autistic. And so life with him has been interesting to say the least. Um, But ultimately I had to know that God was everything or he was nothing. And I simply had to put it in his hands and, and leave it there because every time I took it back, it got worse. And so For me, just putting it in God's hands, leaving it in God's hands and trusting that he would take care of it despite whatever the the outcome might be, I had to be okay with that. It wasn't the easiest thing because there were times where life was really hard, you know, Um, but it was a far cry better from where it was because I was relying on him, not me. And I knew he had me in his hand. I knew he would take care of me. Maybe not the way I wanted. The outcome may not have been what I wanted. But I had to be willing to accept whatever outcome he gave me. I don't know if that helps. But that's been my experience. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Hamad and Tencha. Uh, Let's see. Next up, we have Tom O. from San Antonio. Tensha, thank you. Thank you so much. You did a wonderful job. And um, I'm so grateful for your service and that God gave me the time today to participate. Um, I love what you said about um, I've got to, we've got to surrender and believe that God will always take care of us, but also understand that God is more interested in our character rather than our comfort. I love the honesty in that because uh, that's, that's my experience. Uh, the, the life's problems don't go away, but um, the reliance on God just makes it easier to get through it without, you know, resorting to this, my former solution. Uh, my question is, uh, what, what do you do to build or cultivate your relationship uh, with God? Oh, Tom, that's a whole nother talk. <laughs> um, and actually, I have spoken on that. Um, I do a lot of different things. I go on dates with God. I sit in my backyard and marvel at just his creation because it brings me closer to him. I um, have been challenged by my sponsor to take 20 minutes out of every single day just to sit and make that conscious contact with him. And 
I already had a very deep relationship with him, but when she started doing that, it even increased that depth and I'm grateful for that. And so the challenge was is to basically sit and do nothing but focus on my relationship with him. And, you know, there are times where God brings one of my cats to me and they jump up in my lap and I can just feel the connection with him just as I listen to the purring or I'm feeling the the smoothness of her fur on my hand. It, it's the tangible things. Um, but also too reminding myself of the things he's already done. That also helps to deepen my relationship with him because he pulled me out of things within my addiction that I never should have walked away from. Yeah. Thank thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Tincha. Uh, in the chat we have, I'm, I'm not sure where she is in order, but let's go to Martina. Uh, let's see. Can you go ahead, Martina, with your question? Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Francis. Yeah, thank you so much, Tensha. I'm I'm very touched the second time. I've already heard you on the SA Women's Fellowship. And um, yeah, I'm very grateful to, to have the possibility to get you know and to see all of you guys through all over the world. It's really amazing. And I was really um, impressed by the fact that you shared that you had no higher power at all in your life. And now you rely on your higher power, like totally like the solution is trusting in a higher power, if I got that right. And um, I just wanted to ask you if you could um, um, share a few minutes, a moment just, just about the development from having no power at all to putting your entire life in his hands. Um, like I told Tom that <laughs> I, I have actually spoken on that um, and it, it like I like I was telling Tom it just it was baby steps I literally I had to take it one day at a time and whatever the situation I was facing put it in his hands and then walk away from it and, and not be willing to take it back. Um, and, and two, I had to start looking at, you know, within my addiction, what were some of the things that he had already done for me? Because I had delved so deep into my addiction um, that Places I had put myself in downtown Dallas and downtown Fort Worth, I was the only white girl there and I never should have walked away from. And it is only by his power that I was able to walk out of some of those situations and walk away from some of the abusive relationships that I have put myself in as a result of this addiction. Um you know, so that was that was very fundamental for me was to start looking at that, but also too just to start looking around and going. You know, I had to start asking myself, okay, there's all this stuff outside, you know, trees and grass and the birds, and well, I couldn't believe that necessarily they just poof happened. I had to believe that 
they came from somewhere. Every, you know, I'm a, I'm very heavy into science. And so, you know, for me, a creation has to have a creator. And so I just, I, the more I looked, the more it just made sense. And that helped a lot. Um, and then just, you know, developing my relationship with him, going on dates with him, changing the music I listened to, spending time just contemplating the world um, helped a lot. Um, there is a, I, I do have a talk out there. It was from the Bozos on the Bus meeting that I spoke on that actually this year over spring break. So I don't know if you might be able to find that, but that would probably be one that would help you. That's all I've got. Thanks. I hope that answers your question. Thank you very much, Tansa. Thank you. Let's, uh, we've uh, got Marina next. Marina. Yes, this is Marina. Okay, thank you. I'm so lucky to attend today with you. Uh, thanks for your servant. Uh, I just, um, I have been so touched about your talking, and I have one question. Uh, when you talk, I feel the pain. Like um, you, uh, you remember, you remember all what happened. Refers what you have been talking about. I see the pain in your eyes, and uh, I wonder, will this pain ever go away? I I have been in this circle. I never go out of it. Um, just I I keep remember things and I can go out. Will this pain go away? Just thank you. Well, the tears today um, and the tears now when I share are more. They're not. They're not from pain anymore. They're out of gratitude. It's out of gratitude for what he has done. Um, because a year after I came in this fellowship, my sponsor and my grand sponsor and the only other woman in my fellowship left. So I sat in this room for 14 years by myself, um, in, in a group full of men and I nearly committed suicide over it. And, um, I had to realize that, you know, he had something better for me. And when I started looking and letting him do that, the pain started dissolving. And today I am overwhelmed with gratitude for what he has done because there's no way, (laughs) no way on this earth I could have manufactured what he has done or manufactured my sobriety or manufactured the 16 years I've been in this fellowship and, and grown in what I've done, you know, in, in the fellowship and in the, the, not just sobriety, but the recovery itself, because for me, recovery is much more than sobriety. Um, my pain, as far as the loss of my husband and seeing the addiction in my daughter. Yes. Those have gone away. Um, it took time though. I had to grieve them and grieving is okay. And it was a right for me to, to, to cry I had to remember that the reason I, I grieved was because I had loved. So it was okay to cry. 
and I'm grateful for the experience for having been able to have loved. And it wasn't until after I came in this fellowship and got sober that I realized how much I really did love my late husband. I just didn't know how to show it. So I don't know if that helps. Mm-hmm. Really helps. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. We have quite a number of people lined up to speak, but if you have uh, fewer than 30 days, feel free to get in the queue. And uh, don't fret if we don't get to you because we do have virtual coffee after the meeting. So stick around after the meeting. I don't know if Tensha can or not. If she can't, I'm sure there's, we have a lot of sobriety on this meeting. So there are folks who can, who can chat. So let's go with Rob C. next. Hi, yeah, thank you. Uh, Tensha, thank you very much for your share. Um, uh, it, was, it was very powerful. Uh, there are the, the three things that I really related to. Uh, the emotionally, me transferring my relationship with my dad onto the relationship I had with God because... And then just my willfulness about God and, and the fact that I would, that uh, I had to be reliant on somebody because, because my father was emotionally distant and occasionally physically abusive. Um, and that basically meant that I was just left to take care of things on my own and uh, definitely resented to the uh, suicide is in my story too. And I related to the resentfulness um, that you felt uh, coming into coming into the program. Um, and two, uh, you said about something about how it, how the disease infiltrated your daughter. Man, that hit home with me because you know, uh, for me, when I had a, a, a I'm sorry, time, time. Oh, okay. Well, yes. thank you very much for your strength and attention. That was it was a great, great share. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Okay. Uh, next up, we have uh, Marty. Yeah. Hi. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Tensha. Um, I just wanted to say uh, your use of the of the long form. Uh, that's been a part, I haven't said it as much, but I knew it, but um, you were praying it. And that's, that's the thing that, that I needed uh, to hear today. And the reason is, is because I knew about God, but I didn't know God. And um, you showed the process of uh, coming to know a God uh, as a person and one who loves you as your Papa. And what I'm learning to do is, it's easy for me to do a virtual hug, but to allow someone else to hug me, uh, that's been the difficulty. And so I reach out to my papa every day and ask him to give me a virtual hug and just kind of, uh, kind of, you know, because my dad was kind of off-putting in a sense. He was a quiet man. And I grew up in the, as a teenager during the Depression, went off to war, and uh, so... Uh, I never really got to know him as he really is or is Time. now in heaven. Oh, thank you. And so, uh, again, Tantra, thank you so much. I'm I'm now in my own face-to-face meeting, so I have to go. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you, Marty. 
Hey, yeah, thank you, Marty. Next up is uh, Dale B. Hello, family. Oh, what a beautiful share, Tensha. I am so, I'm in awe. I, uh, I've been hanging around these rooms for so long and just not connecting. And you all have made me. I feel this family. I love this family. And Tensha, you are living this family. You are a beautiful example. Uh, and this is a home. This is more than a home. This is better than my, I can't compare it that way, but this is more personal for me than my biological family. It's a very beautiful thing. And I'm so grateful that my higher power has given me the willingness to really work this program finally. What a blessing. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. Uh, Thank you, Dale. Next up, we have the phone ending in 3299. You can go ahead with your question. I see you unmuted. Hello, this is Scott Sexall. Can you hear me? Yes, Scott. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, thanks, Tenta. Uh I had the question, but it was answered before. And, uh, yeah, I just thank you so much. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I haven't heard her talk like that in a very long time. And um, uh, being reminded of uh, true higher power. So thank you. Thank you, Scott. Um, we've got Harsh, Harsh next, then Jenna and Nancy. So go ahead, Harsh. Yes. Harsh has dropped off. Uh, done. Okay. If Harsh comes back, uh, we'll we'll come back. But let's go with Jenna next. Hi, I'm Jenna. I'm a sexaholic. Sobriety date January nineteenth, two thousand and twenty-one. I got on late. But I got to hear all of your story, Tensha, and your talk. And I wanted to say real quick, my heart's kind of beating out of my chest a little bit. But I do want to say, especially since you have such a powerful message that I needed to hear, especially about um, one of the things that struck me most was put when we put things in God's hands, moment by moment, breath by breath, just like surrendering lust, surrender the desire to take it back and worry again or do something again. I, I love that. But I do just want to raise my hand about Real quick, and with the greatest respect, especially since you're such a powerful speaker, just wanted to raise my hand about the comment when you said you were the only white girl in the neighborhood. I just, that's not okay for me to hear, to have that description. So just raise my hand about that, especially since you have such a gift for touching people and reaching people. I just wanted to raise my hand about that. Um, and again, just thank you so much. I love the way you incorporate literature into your message, the way you incorporate it, it, it makes me, re- reminds me of how much. We can rely on the literature and to, to carry us through. So thank you. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. Nancy, you're up. Hey, Tensha. That was so, so powerful. Um, and I know that you don't just talk the talk. You know that I know that you walk the walk and that someday it is one moment at a time. Um, You know that I've also talked with you about, you know, don't know ahead of time and don't write it down. And when you start, it's like, oh my gosh, oh, forget that. Forget that. You, um, 
it was an amazing share. It was an amazing share weaving literature through. Um, you, you were, I'm sorry, you were not reading. You were not reading. Um, I heard a quote a couple of days ago that just, it just really reminds me of, of what you shared. You can't wait until life isn't bad anymore before you decide to be happy. Um, amazing share, amazing share. Uh, that's I'm all I have to say. Thank you, Nancy. Yeah, that was an excellent, excellent quote. Lee. Thank you, Nancy. Hi, Kentia. Ah, what a moving share. I, I wanted to say that I was happy to hear somebody else who came in with uh, the problem understanding God and not working and, and not knowing how to get there. And I uh, think the, the willingness, which comes first, was great to hear. But what was the essential part is, is that God is an experience and not an understanding. And uh, that was so important to hear. I've talked on this many times, but I couldn't do it as well as you do by being there with the experience on your face and lips while you shared it. I can only describe it. So transmitting the experience through a talk is really tough. And I wanted to say it was wonderful to hear. Time. So that's it. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Um, there was a, we're, we're about out of time. So, uh, you know, if you, if you still would like to chat, stick around for virtual coffee after the meeting. And there is a note from Rain in the, in the comments here in the chat. She says, hi, Tensha, is there a place I can hear your previous talks? So I don't know if you have any reference for that. I see your eyes get big, so maybe you don't. <laughs> um, I know where I could, who I could reach out to. Um, I have spoken once um, on the Bozos on the Bus meeting, and then once on, I'm trying to think, um, the Emer event, May the 15th. So I'm, Raquel might know on that one. Um, and then I know that, there's at least one or two of my talks that I gave at convention um, in 2019 um, that are recorded. Most of them have not been just simply because of the nature of my profession. But I do know that there are a few um, from convention that have been recorded. So I'm not really sure exactly where those might be. I'm, I don't know if, if maybe on the daily reprieve podcast or don't really know on that one. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the daily reprieve, the best source for experience, strength and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to the daily reprieve by going to donate dot the daily reprieve.com 
and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.